Good evening, Agile Acquisition Enthusiasts, and welcome back to the Underground Digital Tiki Bar. It's Friday night, and that means it's time for another episode of Agile Acquisitions and Alcohol. So cheers. All right. It's been another great week in federal acquisition, and I'm happy to be back here with you. Tonight, I thought I would talk about uh, or respond to a request from a LinkedIn follower, uh, uh, Max Justice who asked if I could talk about uh, acquisitions, source selections, protests, and trend, uh, transition, contract transition. Uh, he even said in his post that, uh, or request that he knew that was a broad topic. It is, that's pretty much uh, you know, the entire series of videos that I would probably put together. Um, but I think I can hit on these in a way that I think will be valuable uh, and keep it to a time frame where you'd be willing to sit through this entire video. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting intersection, right? Because one plays off the other. I've talked about this before with regard to like the cycle of destruction is, you know, when acquisitions take a really long time that increases the cost to the vendor pool, which, and the risk to the vendor pool, which means they're more likely to protest, more likely to protest means the government has to be more cautious. So acquisitions take longer. They put yada, 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 you get it. Um, so I, I think I'll start maybe from the end. Uh, transition is really interesting. So you know, on this program, I like to tie it back to agile as much as I possibly can, um, you know, because I am. So um, you know, transition is really interesting. You know, one of the tenets of doing agile development is to have a repository where you're developing in the open, right? And this changes that whole concept of transition. Uh, in in the traditional waterfall development, we tend to wait until the end of an acquisition, and there's sometimes like even option periods where it's like the transition period, and should we decide to go with a different vendor or not continue the contract, the vendor has certain responsibilities in a fixed time frame to hand over like this magical notebook that supposedly a new vendor could open up and immediately begin carrying the torch, so to speak. Um, it usually doesn't work out really well and the new vendors typically have to do a lot of reconstruction. It's very time, timely or time costing and expensive. That's a way to say that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when you're developing in the open, you have this open repository, a few things happen. One, the government has access to this material all the time. And hopefully we're negotiating really good data rights, which means it's actually our data. We can do whatever we want with it. So we could put that in an open source repository or some sort of like code.mil or gov.mil. Um, and it's out there. This changes the whole dynamic, right? So if you're a vendor and you're interested in a particular business area uh, and you know that a contract is coming up for renewal because of all your fancy tools and pipeline development, uh, you could start looking at that code base early and get a feeling and a sense of where is it now you can either strategize of how you could pick that up or why you might do that differently. That could give you a, sort of that incumbent advantage for not being the incumbent. It's a great strategy. Um, but it does other things too, right? So if it's out in the open and we're getting this all the time, should something happen, let's just say the contractor goes completely bankrupt and disappears, uh, we have everything right off the bat. We don't need this transition period. We don't need to pay for it. It's already there. We can do whatever we want with it. Um, it's also there, and if you do it in the open, then uh, you know other folks can provide commentary and help you continue to develop. And it also encourages just like really good practices and hygiene with maintaining good clear notes for changes 
uh, and so forth. So, um, so that's that's kind of the transition piece. Transition's different, uh, and making that transition simpler means the government should be less scared to move away from a bad contractor, right? If a contractor is just not performing, um, they should be less scared. But the other part that tends to make the government nervous about moving on, so to speak, uh, is the length of time that acquisitions take. Well. So how do we make acquisitions not take as long? Well, there's lots and lots that we could talk about on this. Just a couple things is one, keeping them smaller and focused on what it is you're trying to do. Um, you're, you only put in what you need. You don't kind of throw in the kitchen sink, which makes the scale of the acquisition so big that you have to sort of go to that threshold of review and evaluation and, and conservativeness uh, that makes acquisitions take, take so long. I mean, you know, as I've, I've said, oftentimes I consider anytime you're doing uh, software development using agile methodologies. Sorry if you can hear my dog down below my feet here. He's, he's making a lot of noise, getting himself comfortable. Um, but when, when you're doing these agile development um, acquisitions and you keep them focused, then you can actually um, you know, allow vendors to just bid on what really matters most to them. That keeps it very strategic. And um, where I was going before is, is you know, commercial acquisitions. I consider software development using agile methodologies a commercial methodology because that's where we got it from. Um, you can go up to $7 million using simplified acquisition procedures. That opens up the doors to, to really be creative. I mean, there's all this talk about OTA and what you can do with it, and, and I'm a big fan of OTA. Um, but you can do a lot of it um, that, that we consider the benefits of the OTA methodology under simplified acquisitions. You can also do it under IDIQs as well, for example, or GWACs and federal supply schedules. But for just full and open or free um, acquisitions, you can do this with, um, with simplified acquisitions. And so that'd be under 13.5. Uh, so, so this is just like addressing how you can do your acquisitions in a different way to make it a little bit more streamlined. And I, and I fundamentally believe to bring this all home with the risk of protests and, um, you know, the risk of protest goes down greatly when vendors have less to lose, right? So if you do this great big acquisition and it's their one bite at the apple for five to 10 years and they lose, they're going to protest it for no other reason but to go back to their leadership and say, we lost, but we learned these lessons. Like this is the best, you know, this is the best we can take away from this. Um, but if you if you narrow the scope down to just what it is you're trying to do in the near term, it's a much smaller thing. Vendors know there are going to be more bites at that apple over time. You're okay letting ha vendors have that bite because the acquisitions don't take very long, and also because you know you can move on to another vendor if they're not delivering really quality solutions. So. Well, I hope that was helpful, Max. Uh, I appreciate the question. It helps me come up with topics for this videos when you guys ask me questions. It also uh, makes me feel like this time is well spent because I know people are watching these videos. As long as you keep watching them, I'll keep making them. Most importantly, keep innovating. And until next week, cheers.